Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Humanity First. We had a little hiatus while uh, vacations were happening, and so it's great to be back, and uh, even better, it's uh, great to have with us today uh, Dennis Orsinger, who is our new CFO, as I'm sure many people will know. Uh, Dennis uh, is, although new to the position, which is a couple of months now, and we'll talk about that transition uh, in a little while, but Dennis uh, is, has uh, history with BAMSI. He's been with us for about five years now uh, in other positions. So moving into this position in, in many ways, I think, was a, a much more uh, a, a smooth transition, given uh, Dennis's fantastic relationship with both members of his team from the finance department, but also um, leaders and individuals in the uh, organization as a whole. So welcome, Dennis. How are you doing today? Great, Peter. Thank you for that that lovely introduction. And uh, it's been great to be in my new role uh, and be, you know, more involved in the day-to-day -day strategical operations and future of BAMSI. Yeah, that's um, I, that's uh, that's a great start, Dennis. Because I was going to ask you, um, you know, as CFO in an organization, it's um, there's a lot of responsibility, and I think what we do as an organization is sort of balance our uh, ambitions to provide services for as many people as possible with um, a responsible resource management approach. Uh, and I think when CF, in my opinion, when CFOs understand and know the business and are attached to that business in a way that they really feel their heart is is in providing services, that's when organizations get that balance just right. And uh, certainly, uh, Dennis, I feel that you have uh, those qualities and you understand the organization very well. But maybe we can start by um, by telling everybody a little bit about your uh, your background for people that uh, that don't know you and, and, and where you were before you came to BAMSI and what you did when you came originally five years ago. So sure, before I came to BAMSI, I had actually worked for a somewhat similar organization called the May Institute that I'm sure everyone uh, is familiar with or have heard. They do wonderful work in, in terms of uh, providing uh, schools and consultation and support services for children with autism. Like BAMSI, they also are involved in the residential uh, part of the org industry, so they do provide housing for uh, developmentally disabled adults like we do. Uh, and actually, prior to that, I had spent most of my uh, career working for various software companies, so it was quite a, quite a change. But uh, actually, I have a son who is on the autism spectrum, so that sort of has piqued my interest what, you know, way back when of, of getting into you know, the not-for-profit, because I think I have a personal understanding of, of the issues that, that families deal with. Uh, in this, and and like Peter said, I think everything you do, especially at BAMSI, you know, is geared towards providing the best care uh, for the people that you know the 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 Commonwealth entrusts to us, as well as being fiscally responsible, so we can pay our frontline direct care workers uh, the best wage possible. So it really is a fiscal balancing act that we have to do here every day. Yeah, and you know, one of the things that we've been doing, talking about over the last two years, is sort of stripping away a lot of what goes on in an organization that's unnecessary in order to redirect those dollars towards the things that we've identified in our strategic plan as the most important. And that really is making sure that we pay 
our workforce as much as we possibly can. Uh, and at the same time, ensuring that the facilities that we um, that we house people in and that we work in are top notch. And, and you know, I've always felt about this, uh, Dennis, you know, when I've been in this field for an awful long time. And I remember when I started, you would go to, you know, um, substance use disorder treatment programs or mental health homes and the and the houses would be falling down and they would be neglected and it was always the last place that you would put money into because of the stigma that existed for for people with those kinds of diseases or disabilities and what really uh, impressed me about Bamsey was that no we actually really really care about that look we really care that people are living in places that you know their families but are proud of where they're living and that uh, financial responsibility thing has allowed us to do that over the years um, making sure that every dollar that comes through the door is directed and thought about in terms of the improvement of the processes in the organization improving the facilities that we're in and making sure that we're competitive um, with other agencies um, similar agencies that are doing this work, and I think we've done a great uh, a great job with that balance. I agree. I think you know we have always strived to make sure that our homes really don't stand out. You know, they blend in with the neighborhood and they provide you know the people that we're entrusted to care. You know, with a living environment that just like everybody else in the neighborhood has. As you know, we just purchased a house that was a really you know pristine condition, really nice house. To, to move in some of our residents into to allow them to age in place in a really nice neighborhood and enjoy enjoy the you know the benefits of a neighborhood that that everyone else jo uh, enjoys you really look at a Bamsey house and you don't see any any difference from any other house in the neighborhood and we strive to do that that was always one of the things that impressed me with Bamsey as well that our, our houses are really beautiful and you know, they don't stand out other than maybe seeing a van or two there. But we really strive to provide the best, you know, houses and living conditions for for our person served and make them feel like they're, you know, part of the community. And by, like you said, increase, improving our systems and increasing our efficiencies in our administration enables us to, to you know, channel our dollars and funnel, funnel our dollars into our, our real estate and our facilities to make them really the, the state of the art and the best that are out there. Right. And, I, you know, once it, it's funny because once you have those non-negotiables and you say, listen, this gets paid first, you know, this is where we put our money first, it becomes easier to allocate those dollars that are outside of that. And, you know, again, being in this business for an awful long time, I have never um, I've never been in a situation where the state will come to you and say, here's a large pot of money, spend it as you will. I think we are used to, and this is what makes us great budgeters and great sort of balances of these resources. Uh, the state has never really quite given us enough to do that. Um, and so the, the idea of raising money, um, and, uh, fundraising, and and have also been really careful about how we spend our money by making sure that we have the best systems possible it has to be something that we strive for um, every day. And I think at, at the end of the day, um, I, that balance is what we strive for. We don't always get it completely right. But if you take care of those um, priorities that we're talking about first, um, then it becomes much more easy to do. Um, and so sort of shifting a little bit. Um, 
it is true that we are underfunded. I mean, I don't think you can argue with that. At the same time, we manage our finances and we and, and there's an awful lot of thought that goes into that. Um, talk just a little bit about how um, how all of those competing interests are, are met and how we make decisions about how we spend money, because it really is. And, and you know, let's talk about that, um, both of us, because that's something that uh, that leadership team of ours has to do on a daily basis, you know, manage to clinical risk, manage to um, medical risk, uh, manage to um, facilities that are right for people with a certain amount of money. Where does fundraising come into that, do you think? Well, I think having, you know, robust fundraising enables us to really do uh, more of the things we want to do. When we look at, you know, we look at examples for facilities, we have quite a few, you know, in the perfect world, things you would want to do. But because of our limited resources, we have to, like you said, prioritize. We obviously have to fix things that could be our safety issues, our, our potential safety issues, because the safety and well-being of our person served as well as our employees is always the top priority. We also have, you know, things that we want to fix that it may not be a big problem now, but in a year or so it may be a, a really big problem and cost a lot, you know, a lot more money. Uh, you know, so obviously we always prioritize those things. Having fundraising will enable us, you know, not just to, you know, maybe pay our people more, maybe do other things to work on retention in terms of, uh, you know, bonuses or whatever you want to call them, profit sharing, but just enable us also to do all these things that, you know, would be in a perfect world nice to do, you know, that you may have to put off for a year or two or because you don't have the money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about, um, you know, having said that uh, and having said that we need to set ourselves some robust targets for raising money outside of um, outside of the contracts that we have. And that might be, you know, different business ventures like the pharmacy that we've talked about, uh, which we're looking to open towards the end of October now. Um, you know, mixing in different revenue streams is, is hugely important. Raising money um, through um you know, giving and foundations, going after grants. It the the more diverse you get, I think the the more stable you are in a way. Because, um, you know, I've worked on both sides of the of the aisle in terms of uh, the state and pro provider um, community. And when we do hit a recession uh, as a country, as a state, oftentimes the first things to get cut are human services. So we need to insulate ourselves. Uh, against that. The last two years have been amazing, if you think about it. There's, it's been a test like no other. Um, and the financial security of the organization has been under siege in some ways. Um, tell us a little bit about how we're doing financially before we start to talk about, you know, the future. What is what 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 do we look like now in terms of, um, of our financial uh, sort of uh, health check, if you like? Well, actually, we're doing all things considered, we're doing fairly well. Uh, we've survived the pandemic. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, we've been able to maintain our profitability and, and our cash flow. Uh, we have not had to use any of our lines of credits uh, for any significant amount of time. And actually, in, F in fiscal year 23, we're 
starting to build up our cash through, you know, our fiscal management and and, and being uh, more uh, conservative in our use of funds. We're trying to build up an endowment. I think having, you know, investigating other revenue streams allows us to have I guess more control over over our destiny when you're at the when you're at the whim of the commonwealth you know when they're your main funder it's exactly that you're not really in control of your funding you know you have to go to the commonwealth sometimes and ask for more funding or you know like we've done with nursing explain to them that what we're being compensated for by the commonwealth for nursing is not sufficient for us to be competitive in the nursing market so we're incurring you know, huge amounts of overtime and having to use outsized agencies, which is not an efficient use of our funds. As you develop these other revenue streams, you're not 100% dependent on the Commonwealth, and you have more control over that, which enables you to do things and not really be at their, I guess for lack of a better word, whim of what they decide they want to give you when. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's where I, we're looking at. I'm sorry, Peter. We're also looking at, you know, looking at the community that we're in and, and discover, you know, where, what are needs that are not being served right now and how can BAMSI jump in and serve them? Uh, because I think in this, like you said, in the recession, whatever you want to call it, it's going to be difficult for many people, this up, especially this upcoming winter, and how can BAMSI be of help uh, to, to fill those needs for people? That's so uh, prescient, um, Dennis, because uh, this morning I was out with the case management program for um, HIV and AIDS and um, chatting with the incredible staff down there who are just another plug for the people that do the direct service work. I mean, just have held people together uh, over the past two and a half years. As as they said, you know, people have lost their housing. Uh, people have lost their jobs. People have lost the ability to um, do overtime, which was um, for many of those people keeping them housed. Um, it's desperate out there, um, and BAMSI is one of those organizations that our community look to when things get difficult. Um, we have an emergency um, funding uh, limit uh, per individual, and I think, it, I'm, I'm not sure, Dennis, I think it's around 250 or $300, and one of the things that they were asking this morning was, that's not going to be enough to sustain uh, help for heating over the winter. Uh, because we're at, and, and the entire country is anticipating enormous fuel bills over a cold winter, which I think is coming. Um, how uh, are we going to support those people? And that goes to our, our uh, fundraising folks looking to raise more money so that we can put it into these sort of basic life needs of the individuals we serve. It's got down to you know that level in terms of how we can help people, and um, you know that really was a plea. Uh, from uh, from the case management team that, that that I spoke to this morning. Yeah, it's it's going to be critical, and then not just you talk to even local food banks, and they say you know the amount of people coming in for food is higher than ever, and the amount of food they get is lower than ever because people are cannot even afford to donate. So it's a really a double-edged sword there. So people have to make decisions on, you know, whether they're going to eat, pay for their medicines, pay for their heating, uh, you know, clothing for their children. So it's it's very tough out there right now for for many families, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to get much better in the near future. So again, this is where we can come in with with you know, like a helpline 
and you know help you know get, if we can get more funding get our fundraising up we'll be able to to help people get through these tough times and some of our own staff at that yeah oh exactly yeah. it was <clears throat> yeah go i met today with uh the, uh, the new a new board member you know this morning and was we're going through some of these things and he's very in tune with you know state funding and how that works but we were just talking about uh you know the, our direct care workers and and how they're struggling as well because we, you know we need to pay them more and and we you know we did a great job in the last fiscal year of of increasing salaries but you know basically to make us competitive with not just other agencies but other employers out there and really inflation is is eaten into a lot of that so it's they're still struggling and we have to figure out how to to help them get through this as well yeah and we just got a couple of minutes left, but um, I suppose the question that we should finish in on is the future. That seems to be the place where we want to spend a lot of time. Um, and again, the the fiscal responsibility and thoughtful way in which this organization has been stewarded for the last 40 years, 47 years, uh, all sort of puts us in a position to move forward into the future. You've mentioned a couple of things that are short and long term concerns for us. One, of course, is the existential threat of um, workforce. Uh, we still have to work on that. Um, it, it's an issue for everybody. We have a lot of vacancies in this organization. You mentioned nursing as well. If we we need to sort out the issue of paying nurses a wage, which is going to attract uh, more to come to us uh, and also to um, reward those wonderful nurses who are with us. Um, and then the other thing is, how do we get our day have programs back to a a reasonable census that are going that are going to sort of put us back into a better financial frame, um, you know, as we go on to the future. What other things do you see in the next, uh, you know, one to five years, Dennis, that we should be looking at? Well, I think definitely, as we keep alluding to, increasing our fundraising and our fundraising base and attracting new uh, donors is is always key. I think we need to keep looking at. Uh, other lines of business, whether it be in the not-for-profit or in the for-profit area, like the pharmacy, that you know we can increase our revenue streams and reduce our dependence on state funding. I think that's going to be key. I think we may even need to look at maybe merging or combining with uh, smaller agencies that may not be able to withstand these tough times, so that people don't lose services and and you know creating growth that way i think you know there are a lot of options out there that that we need to look at uh because i think the next two to three years are probably going to be very difficult uh for not just agencies like us but for the individuals we serve as well that's right and, and i think we have to have a view to the future in terms of how do we you know i think i think if you're standing still you're going backwards in this in in this world and and it is changing all the time and um i'm just uh, i'm just glad we have such a wonderful cfo to guide us through this and so dennis welcome it's great to have you aboard uh, obviously we've worked together for a couple of years before but it's great to have you in this new position well it's it's great to be here and i hope i can live up to your expectations and <laughs> continue to help amzi do the great work that it does sure you will Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye -bye. you.